taken from John, chapter 15, verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants, because servants do not know their master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you to go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. Then the Father will give you whatever you ask in my name. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks, Thanks be, to be to God. Thanks, Paul. I was concerned that I was going to be hidden behind that. I'm not nearly as tall as Paul is. The passage we're looking at this morning is part of Jesus' final words to his disciples after he had celebrated that last supper with them and he's on his way to the Garden of Gethsemane. He has only a little time with them. And so the things he is saying to them are things of great importance. Things he wants them to remember when he is taken from them. He is opening his heart to them. In particular, he wants them to remember the words that he is saying so that they might bear fruit fruit that will last. This picture on the screen is a Bramley apple. We picked it with our own fair hands back in September, or perhaps the, even the end of August, I can't quite remember the date, when we lived in our previous house where we had a Bramley apple tree. And it has been sitting in a box with many others, and we're getting to the end of the boxes of our apples. It's done very well, it's lasted eight months, but it's not in the best of shape now, and it won't last much longer. But Jesus wants us to bear fruit that will last, not for a month, not even for eight months, but fruit that will last for eternity. We need to listen to what he has to say to us and take it to heart. Jesus wants his disciples to know how much he loves them. He's going to be leaving them quite soon. 
but he wants them to know that he is not leaving them because of lack of love for them. Quite the contrary. He loves them so much that he is going to lay down his life for them. The very fact that he is leaving them is a demonstration of his love for them. But I want you to notice how Jesus describes his love for his disciples. Oh, your wo- yes. I, I waved my arms around and set my jacket alight. Yeah. Thank you. He wants his disciples to know how much he loves them. And look at the words which he uses. He says, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Well, how much does the Father love the Son? The Father loves his Son with a love which is beyond our fathoming. It's a love which is eternal. It's a love which is intimate. It's a love which takes delight in the one he loves. Do you remember when Jesus was baptised, a voice came from heaven which said, This is my Son whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is the love of the Father for his Son, delighting in him. And Jesus says to his disciples, I love you in the same way. The same way the Father loves me and delights in me, I love you with the same depth. I love you and take delight in you. You give me great joy. His love for us is a costly love. It's an eternal love. As he lays his life down for us. The Apostle Paul said, He, the Lord Jesus, loved me and gave himself for me. That's what Jesus is saying to the disciples. Can you imagine this? Imagine my Father's love for me. That's how much I love you. Do you appreciate that this morning? That Jesus loves you like that? With a love that will not let you go? With a love that takes delight in you? Do you enjoy the love of the Lord Jesus for you? And rejoice in it? But secondly, Jesus wants his disciples to return that love. He says, Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. Jesus wants his disciples to return that love which he has for them. And for their love for him to be shown particularly in obedience. Our obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ is a response to his love for us. And it's evidence of our love for him. And it's the means by which we remain in his love. Now I want you to understand this very carefully. For Jesus compares the way in which we remain in his love through obedience 
with the way he remains in the Father's love for obedience. Do you think that the Lord Jesus had to earn his Father's love for his obedience? No, that would be ridiculous to suggest it, wouldn't it? The Father loves him from all eternity. And Jesus' obedience to the Father is his delight in his Father and delighting to do his Father's will. And so our obedience to Christ, doing what he asks of us, is not us earning his love. It's a response to his great love for us. But it is living in that love, remaining in that love. Jesus doesn't want us to become like neurotic children who go around asking their parents when they've done something wrong, do you still love me? He doesn't want us to be like that. He wants us to know that we are deeply and greatly loved. And he wants us to live in that love by obedience to him. And a particular way in which we live in that love is by loving one another. Jesus says it twice in these verses, just in case we fail to get the point. He says, my command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Do we love one another like that? It's not about gooey feeling. It's about practical concern and care for one another. And practical concern and care for a world that does not yet know him. As we were demonstrating in the noise yesterday, and some are doing the same today. It's making the love of God visible, the love of the Lord Jesus visible, in practical things, getting our hands dirty. Maybe our t-shirts dirty as well. Living to bless others, to show the love of the Lord Jesus. And such loving obedience fills us with joy. Jesus' supreme joy was found in doing the Father's will. And he wants us to share in his joy. I have told you this, says Jesus, so that my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. Do you notice that? He doesn't say, I just want you to be filled with joy. He says he wants his joy to be in us so that we share with him the joy that he knows in doing the Father's will. That joy floods our own hearts as we hear his word and follow him. Do you notice what Jesus says in verses 14 to 15? You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead I've called you friends. For everything I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. Now, what's the difference between a friend and a servant? It's an interesting question, isn't it? Well, let me illustrate it from uh, the armed forces. Suppose a general were to say to his driver, tomorrow morning, I want you to bring the car round and be ready to drive for me at 10 o'clock and you'll be driving for the whole day. Suppose the driver turned round and said to the general, 
Oh, that's interesting. Where are we going tomorrow? Is it somewhere interesting? I think the general might give him uh, a Mopperson. He might say to him, that's none of your business. Your task is to do what I tell you. But you see, Jesus doesn't deal with us that way. We're not servants. So he just demands of us that we do as he tells us without understanding why. He says, I've called you friends because I've shared with you all that God has revealed to me. Jesus has made known to us the great heart and purpose of God for a world that is lost. The longing of God to draw this world back to himself. And Jesus has shared that with his disciples because he wants them to join him in, the, in his mission of winning others back to God. And he wants them to go about it knowing the mind and heart of God. Because that will give them joy in what they're doing. And that's what God wants of us, to understand his heart and mind and purpose. And join the Saviour in his mission to a lost world, with a heart that's filled with a sense of the love of God for this world, and the passion of God to win that world back to himself. This relationship between Jesus and his disciples is one that is designed for fruitfulness. He says to them, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you may bear fruit, fruit that would last. Jesus had chosen his disciples. He'd chosen them for a purpose. So that now as he faces the cross, and after that his resurrection and ascension, they will go and continue his mission. And their mission has borne much fruit. We are here today as some of that fruit of those first disciples as they preach to others, and they in turn preach to others as well, telling the good news of Jesus. I don't know how many generations there is between those first disciples and us, but all through those generations, people have been telling others of Jesus and bearing fruit through their witness. And now it's our turn. We who've heard of the Lord Jesus, who love him because he's loved us, who have a passion for the world that reflects the heart of God. It's our turn to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last. He's chosen us for that. You may say, well, I don't feel as if I've been chosen by Christ. Not like those first disciples where Jesus saw the fishermen and said, come follow me. But we too have been chosen by him. Paul reminds Christians that we were chosen in him before the foundation of the world. He had us on his heart, and that's why he came. I've chosen you, he says, and I want you to bear fruit, fruit that will last. You see, he's chosen us to be his own, but Jesus 
does not collect useless ornaments. Maybe you've got a shelf at home where you collect useless ornaments and they just collect dust. And perhaps sometimes they're just a nuisance. But Jesus doesn't want useless ornaments. He's chosen us each one to go and bear fruit. Fruit that will last for eternity. Are we making our lives count? Count for eternity. This fruit, fruit that will last for eternity, is the result of prayerful communion with Christ. Jesus says, whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. Fruitfulness, lasting fruitfulness, is the result of prayer in Jesus' name. And that doesn't mean tacking in the name of Jesus onto the end of our prayers. It means knowing the heart and mind of the Saviour and praying out of that knowledge of him. Prayer is a great mystery, but never think that prayer is about twisting the arm of God to try and get out of him something he's reluctant to give. Prayer is about communion with God, understanding the mind and heart of God, and pleading them with him, the very things he's laid upon our hearts. It's pleading, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven, and acknowledging the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. So in summary, Jesus' sacrificial love calls us to lives of similar sacrificial service to him, love of one another, love of a world that does not yet know him. Such lives, characterised by service and prayer, bear fruit, fruit that will last for all eternity. May God enable our lives to count for eternity. We'll see in a minute uh, uh, film clip about um, Justin Welby and how prayer for him resulted in the fruit of him becoming a Christian. And now his life's bearing fruit. At first, I think we're going to see. Oh.